Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. I am so excited to introduce our guest, Corey White, the CEO and co-founder of Cyvatar, um, a security data company. Uh, Corey, thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ today. Lisa, thanks so much for having me. It's been an honor. Um, well, it's super cool because I, I think something, we're going to be talking about the future of cybersecurity, which I am not convinced there is a more timely or pertinent topic out there. Um, and, and so I want to just layer up. I mean, you obviously founded and run this company after 25 years that you've already had in the, this kind of as a security consultant and the in the, in the, in let's just call this, this cyber security and risk field. Um, you yes. know a lot about this. You guys are kind of like, you can serve any company of any size out. They can outsource their cybersecurity needs to you. You take care of everything. So I feel like, you know, I want to just ground listeners and viewers like cybersecurity is very much in the news right now. I don't mm -hmm. really understand why. And I want to ask that, but first, what is cybersecurity? Well, cybersecurity has definitely evolved a lot over the last you know, 25 years plus as I've, I've done it. And that I wish I could give you a simple answer that what is cybersecurity? Um, think of this as, yeah, there's two, two sides of it. You have your offensive and de defensive, right? Um, and so think of us as like cyber cops, right? And it's kind of the way I explain to my kids, you know, we stop bad guys from doing bad things, right? Um, and so think of it from that perspective. And also another thing I, I've, I've really thought about, I've done incident response quite a bit. And I did that for a, a pretty decent bank in your half, and this was a long time ago. And I've done a lot of them since, but I was thinking, why would anybody go and physically rob a bank? Like that, that is absolutely ridiculous to walk in and, you know, stick up and rob a bank when electronically you could rob a bank so much easier and, and get access to everything. So think of it like this, you're going to have a, in cybersecurity, you're going to have people stop physically doing things when you can electronically do things. And that's what's happening in ransomware. And so that's why ransomware is so, so much in the news and, and top of mind. And, and I, I love the fact that people actually know what I do now. I used to do, say, hey, I do security. And they thought I was a security guard. I'm not a security guard, it's cybersecurity. So now people actually know what I do. And it's, they say, oh, that is cool. So I'm, I'm enjoying this time. I, I, I mean, shy of the fact that now people understand what cybersecurity is since you've been doing it since the 90s, which you know, our digital footprints were very, very different in the 90s. I mean, at a personal level, certainly at a corporate level, at a governmental level, not everything relied on them. And I, I freak out these days sometimes, you know, when you look at like, okay, so, you know, whatever the politics are, the war in Russia or the war on the Ukraine by Russia, Russia's obviously purported a number of attacks on, you know, institutions around the world over the course of the last years. 
on democratic elections, you know, whether we've been able to prove this or not, let's just say they exist and they, a lot of them have come from Russia. This is really material. So it's like people understand what you're talking about now, but the systems are so integrated in so many different ways that actually people don't need to go in and rob a bank. They can just, you know, go in and hit the bank with, with whatever malware or whatever else happens. So talk to me about the different ways in which you see this kind of like being a risk for our world right now because people understand what you do. Yeah, yeah. So let's be clear. Hacking is for profit. Okay, so like when I first started, it was, it was fun to see websites get hacked and they would change up what the website looked like or whatever. You think about it, you don't see anybody doing that anymore. Uh, then, we, then we had people, you know, they were hacking in and stealing um, you know, personal identifiable information, PII, um, stealing their uh, credit card data. Um, what was the big, last big credit card hack that we heard, right? You had your Target and you had your Home Depot. Hadn't had a real big credit card hack. I mean, there's been some smaller ones, but hadn't had a big one. Why is that? Because if I hack in and steal a bunch of credit cards and then when people find out that their credit card has been you know, compromised, it's usually a matter of hours before they've called and they've canceled the card and we've kind of figured that out, okay? But if I hack into your company, even your small company, let's just t say a small finance company that is managing money for a bunch of you know, wealthy individuals and has access into accounts. And then, so if I hack into them and say I hack into 10, 10 different you know, wealthy companies and I charge them all a ransom of, of uh, $50,000, modest, okay? That's good money. And if they have almost no security, they're not doing the basics, then I'm getting in, I'm gonna steal their data and I'll be able to extort and say, hey, I have all your personal inf information. I can go and ruin your credit and make all these you know, horrible things happen to you. Um, or you can just pay this 50K in Bitcoin. So let's just say maybe even half of them pay it. But that, I think the stats are a little bit better. Most are going to pay it. And so that's quick money. All I need to know is they're, they're basically their email address and a little bit of reconnaissance about their business. And then I'm in. Okay, so why would I, if I'm a hacker, why would I go out and get a job? Why would I go out and physically rob a bank? Why would I do any of those things when ransomware as a service is out there and it's so easy to do. Corey, can you still hear me? I sure can. Oh, good. Um, I can't even, I mean, I, I, I have to say when we were starting to prep this call, it, I, I, I started getting butterflies in the, in the stress sense, not in like the positive sense, because <laughs> what you're describing is really material, which is most people are paying if it's ransomware, but you said if they don't have security in place, like, what does security in place for a small company, much less a giant company or a government or a military, you know, or water supply and infrastructure security? Like, what does what does a small company? Let's start at the little level. What does security look like to avoid this? Yeah, so I'm answering a few ways. Large cybersecurity companies, they don't care about small companies. Okay, why? They can't make money off of smaller deals, right? It's not going to support their business. So they haven't necessarily designed security for small companies. So if I'm a hacker and I'm choosing who I'm going to hack into, I'm not going to go into the large company that has a 
a full security program in place, I'm gonna go after the smaller mediums. And you take like, take Fortune 1000, okay, it's a thousand of them. There are millions of small companies that I can hack into. So it's just, you know, I think about even for my business, like the total addressable market for small companies is much bigger, right? So I would go after the small companies. Now those small companies, should they have a, you know, chief information security officer and a whole security team? No, that's absolutely ridiculous. They couldn't afford it. And then, you know, they couldn't pay for those people and maintain and retain them. Exactly. So, and again, keep it up, right? Keep it current. Yeah, yeah it's not going to happen, right? So if I'm a small company, I, whatever my business focus is, I'm going to focus on that. Like cybersecurity is going to always be secondary. So that's, you know, hiring people is never going to work. Okay, and then going out and buying best of breed cybersecurity products, there's over 4,000 cybersecurity companies out there. Okay, and so if I'm a small company and I'm not technical, I don't know which one to choose from. Okay, because if I go out and get, you know, cheapantivirus.com, then I'm like, okay, I've got antivirus and, and I'm able to, you know, check the box, whatever they said I need to have antivirus. There we go. Well, Antivirus it was created in 1990, no, 1987, right? And cheap is still using that te technology. So Lisa, if that is you using that, then it's very easy for a hacker to bypass that, okay? There are literally all websites. If I create some malware, I can submit the hash up there and see, oh, cheap antivirus doesn't see this. I can easily bypass that. So when I send you a phishing email and say, hey, Lisa, why don't you move to California or whatever it is, and then you click on it and say, hey, maybe California is cool. And then, you know, malware is downloaded to your computer. I get remote access, I'm in. Your antivirus did basically nothing because it is 30-year-old technology. Now, if, if you had somebody to help you with that, that actually said, we're going to bring in best of breed technology, something that's going to prevent it, because you will eventually click on something. And then when you click on it, it's going to block the execution of malware. So that's like a simple example of what happens to small, small companies. One, they probably don't even have antivirus. They do. They, they got the cheap one. And then if they had the cheap one, they don't know. If they actually did get an expensive one, they didn't know how to implement it properly anyway to stop the attack. So you just screwed. And I could go on with the same scenarios a lot there. Well, and you and you worked at McAfee for a long time, right? A, or yes. at a company that sold to McAfee. I can't remember. I think you were at McAfee for, was, for nine yeah. or 10 years, right? In the beginning of your yeah. career. Yeah. I mean, so in fairness, I have McAfee. And the only reason I have McAfee and I kept paying for it because I really didn't want to and I let it go was I clicked on something unbeknownst to me that was not even phishing. It was a thing. And of course, like this whole thing explodes and you realize very quickly, as soon as you Google, you realize what you've done and you're like, oh my God. And it download, I downloaded it immediately in real time and hopefully solved the problem. My computer still works. That's like the good news. Who knows what's happening behind the scenes? I would be terrified to actually share that, but that's cool. So, you know, I think that's an example that the fear that drives so many of us at an individual level, you say, you know, credit cards, we haven't seen a big hack for a long time. You know, but my dad, who is in his, you know, late 70s and doesn't know better than, you know, to keep answering the phone when the bank calls, you know, keeps getting his identity. So I'm like, these are things that are happening to individuals and, and of, of very varying risk profiles, but it's happening at big company levels too, right? And that's, you know, you guys are dealing with all sorts of different level companies. And in your, in your 25 plus years in this space, you've dealt with all sorts of industries. Like, what do you see as kind of the biggest threats and risks that are coming down the horizon line right now? Well, 
it, it, we aren't trying to stop these attacks again. So if it, it's, it's kind of open season, because especially, like I said, these small and medium-sized companies, they're going to repeatedly get hacked. And, you know, to, and I, I'm sorry about your scenario, but hackers are doing what's called <clears throat> hiding in plain sight, okay? And so hiding in plain sight means you know, they'll log in and they'll look like you. They'll look like Lisa. They're like, oh, that's Lisa's account just logged in. But no, it wasn't Lisa. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're doing those things. And then, so we just talked about the antiviruses, next generation antivirus that could be imp implemented to block ransomware and all these attacks if you know how to do it. Um, if you want to not be attacked by a you know, security vulnerability exploit, don't have any vulnerabilities. So instead, when you get these little pop-ups say, hey, time to upgrade your operating system or patch you know, Zoom or Adobe or whatever, if you're not doing those things, then you're open to attack. And your computer, if you're sitting on the internet, you're scanned about every two seconds, okay? And when somebody is scanning you, they see that you're vulnerable and you haven't done all these patches, then they can easily and you'll launch an export against you. But that's an easy fix if you just do it on a continuous basis and have that you know, fix, you can fix that. The last thing is um, you know, multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. Okay, everybody needs to have that. Um, that's a tip to, you know, for your personal life, for your banks, whatever you do, you need to have that. But here's why. I've done so many incidents and I've seen these incidents where my personal password have been stolen because these were you know, I use these tools, these companies, they're very big companies that I think all of us use. And I'm like, damn, my password just went out the door just with the other, you know, million passwords. Okay, so the hackers have your password, okay? Or, I'm gonna get a little technical here, but it's, it, to prove a point, back in the 2000s, we had this thing called rainbow tables. And basically, we use those to crack passwords. And it would take usually a few days, you know, to, to crack those passwords. Imagine if once we got hashes. So imagine now, here it is 15 years later, computing power has increased a smidgen. Just a little bit, no, a lot, right? And so, and so now we can crack those same passwords in a matter of seconds. So once we steal like a hash database from a company, we can crack it really quickly. So the hackers have your password. So you have to think of it that way and use multi-factor authentication to, to secure yourself. Um, I mean, the pace of technological innovation, of course, has grown exponentially. Uh, and in the last 10 years, especially, the computing power that we carry around in our little cell phones is, you know, something like 5x what the original mainframe, you know, was. Or, or so, I mean, you've seen that. And, and that just means, and data, of course, I mean, I think about, you know, 9-11, my cousin was working in cybersecurity at Morgan Stanley, and I will never forget, you know, everything was housed in these servers in one location. And it was all of a sudden, like, that doesn't work anymore for us as a world, because you never thought that your physical location could get attacked. So now things ping pong around the world. I mean, a lot has changed. I, I'm not an expert in it. You are. Like, what are some of the things that you think people have done really well? Because as you say, we're not addressing the threat at a systems level in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, we have to change our mindset because I had to change mine to, to build a, this new model that we built here at Savitar. Um, Simple, like you just said, the cloud got invented, okay? And so 
the concept of having one location, and this is also what's changed to make, make us more vulnerable. Think about it, if I were running cybersecurity for a company, I'd have to secure, you know, maybe a few remote users, uh, but everybody came into the office. So when they got into the office, I could control that central point through one egress point and then have full control. Well, and then the cloud came out. So then you had remote, you had the office, and then you had cloud. Okay, now what has happened is that the office scenario has mostly gone away and you have only cloud. So, and then you have remote and people that used to be in, you know, just going home, doing a little bit of work in, at home. Now they're at home or they're at coffee shops or co-working spaces, they're all over the world. So now you have so much more that you got to control and secure. And so there's a big pivot from some of these tools that only you know, secure just your infrastructure in the office to everywhere. And so we have to change the way we've approached cybersecurity and be able to you know, secure people all over the world regardless. So that's a big change. We weren't getting it right before the cloud came out. Now that the cloud came out and COVID accelerated everything. So the, what we call the attack surface has gotten bigger. And so your endpoint, your computer is your firewall. I did a talk about a year ago uh, called the death of the firewall because firewalls used to be a big deal. Now, not so much because um, I, like, I'm not behind the firewall. I'm at the co-working space and I travel a lot. Like I said, last week I was in New York. So I have to get security on this endpoint correct. And so we have to change the way we think about things. And last thing I'll say is, as a pre preventative controls, what we used to do, we used to have to go and secure data centers. Now we have to go and secure just remote cloud-based systems. So the mindset of a preventative control or someone trying to stop attacks, we're still stuck in the, in the dark ages because people even ask me, Corey, how, is, how are you doing this? I'm like, well, they have this thing they invented called the cloud and I can get agents onto everybody's system. And then we can monitor all of them and tie them into one organization, regardless of where they are in the world. And so that's the new way of thinking. And then, you know, there's a thing called an API that allows us to pull data specifically and feed into our platform. But I couldn't have built this business five years ago. Okay. And so we've got some catching up to do in cybersecurity. Um, and that's, that's partly why um, we're where we're at. We're behind the eight ball. The last thing I'll add, add to you, Lisa, and I think this is an important point. We make more, we make more money off of the insecurity of security. So when these big hacks happen, then the security companies make a lot of money because these companies say, oh crap, I need to start spending more money on security. I wasn't doing security. We got hacked. Now I got to you know, go get all these tools. So they buy all these things. But expensives are wrong. Yeah, exactly. So when, if I'm a company and I want to grow my company, then, you know, hacks are good. And so that's where, where we are today. Like people are on the response side of things, making millions. They're, they're, they're a few billion dollar companies and all they do is respond after you get hacked. Okay. There's, there's no, that I know of, there's no billion dollar cybersecurity company that makes money off of you being secure yet. <laughs> Is that, is that, the, and is that the goal of Cybertron? Thank you for that primer. Cause I think it's super important that people understand a little bit of the evolution. And, and you yeah. said a number of things. I mean, the firewall 
because not being because none of us are behind it anymore is really interesting and getting security on that endpoint whether that be my phone whether that be my personal laptop whether that be the router the server the cloud for a big company um i think that i want to just you know in the last couple of minutes i do want to address the fact that like it it makes me very nervous in the geopolitical world in which we live where resources and supply chains are global um, that this can take down, you know, I think about the blackout in New York and that was not a hack, but you think about it being able to be done through a hack now because everything's digitized. Like what are governments doing and are governments collectively, cooperatively in any way, shape or form making inroads to take care of this? Because the private companies make up a lot of money, but it would yeah. seem that there's a level of governance that needs to be happening to mandate this. Or are we just is government so far behind the eight ball in terms of kind of technology overall that that's not happening? That's a great question. Um, I answered it on a few different levels. Um, to your point about government being behind the eight ball, look at it from this perspective. If, if there are over 3 million jobs in cybersecurity right now, so every single small to medium-sized business, they need cybersecurity. Most don't have it. Okay, and then if they try to hire the expertise, there's no one out there to hire. Okay, and so they're stuck. And so the, the government, they, they come out with, you know, executive orders and, and given the recommendations, but at the end of the day, Lisa, there's nobody to implement and do the things correctly. And so we're, we're not gonna be able to, to solve it. You know, we can't solve this problem with the current thinking that we have today because, there's there's no talent. The the infrastructure um, is not there as far as making sure that that talent can actually go and implement those solutions and then maintain it. So we're we're upside down. We know what needs to be done. We just don't have the people to do it. I have a big loud thing outside my door, so I'm going to ask one last question. I'm going to get close to my mic. Um, okay. As as we think about, you know, we're going to wrap up. And so this last question. Like two, three things that actions that every person, whether they're a business owner, a, a, a big corporate executive, uh, a politician, you know, uh, whatever, uh, uh, you know, a, a grower or an individual of 75 years old who's not particularly tech savvy, like what are the two or three things that you think absolutely everyone should do to take care of their own cyber risk at this moment in time? Yep, absolutely. So um, I'll start with the 75-year-old the person. Um, get cybersecurity awareness training. You know, there's, you can Google it and there's, you know, a bunch online, but they have to be aware. If you're going to be on a computer, you need to know how to secure yourself on it. That's, that's equivalent to saying, hey, if I'm going to go out and drive my car, I need to know how to drive it and how to drive it safely. So it's the same thing. You cannot put yourself at risk um, and understand what the types of attacks that are, that are um, being thrown at you. Because then once you realize, wait a second, this person calling me, um, they may not be my bank, okay? But this link, it looks like it says Microsoft you know, Office 365. But if you look at the URL, you realize, no, this is coming from Corey.com or something. You, you have to look at those things. It's really easy to figure it out because they can copy images and everything else to make it look just like that. So that, that awareness and that training is important. Um, second, I mentioned earlier, 
the um, multi-factor authentication. Uh, get it enabled on your bank, your email, everything. Because here's the thing, so simple hack, Lisa, if I know your password, then I can easily, and I can guess to your password probably eventually or brute force it or whatever. I can log into email. I can see what you're up to. I could see, you know, whatever. And then at that point, I can send a very specific, it calls spear phishing attack um, towards you and say, Lisa, I know you have your yard being cleaned right now. Um, I'm gonna launch an attack and say, you didn't pay your bill to your yard cleaner, whatever it is, redirect money. But I have enough information about you to be able to launch that attack. And that's what spear phishing is. They use whatever you put into your social media, whatever you say publicly, against you. And so when you do that in social media and post all over the place, then they can actually get very specific about the attack that they launch against you. So that and then multi-factor authentication is absolutely needed. Wow, I, I'm, I'm like, my head's spinning in not the right way, but Corey, thank you so, so much for joining us today and sharing at least a tiny, tiny iota of the amazingly depth of knowledge that you have on this topic. Um, the future of cybersecurity sounds like we need a lot more security and perhaps a lot less cyber, um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, and everyone listening, Future of XYZ, if you aren't already subscribed, make sure you do so on YouTube. We also are available across all of your favorite podcast platforms from Apple and Spotify to Amazon and beyond. Um, follow Future of XYZ uh, on Instagram uh, so that they, and, and don't post anything too specific, no spear phishing <laughs> allowed. And um, visit future-of.xyz if you or someone you know wants to be a future guest. Uh, Corey, cannot wait to keep the conversation going. Congratulations on everything you're doing. And thank you for looking out for the rest of us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.